Hello and welcome to Classic 15. I'm Michael Beek. My guest this week is Jelaine Mitchell, the US-based cellist and founder of Classical Wellness, a dedicated online space promoting mental wellness in classical music. Jelaine, it's lovely to meet you. Thank you for joining us today. Thank you. I'm very happy to be here. So let's start at the beginning. Um, you set up Classical Wellness as an online resource for musicians. Now, was that born of your own experiences? Was it born of things you were seeing around you with, with, with colleagues and other musicians? Tell me how it began. I think it's a um, it's both. Mm. There's a lot of mental health issues in my family. So I already knew how I didn't really realize how important it was until I started classical music. When I was 16, I took I started cello lessons and I took a gap year just to practice because of course, if you're a musician, you have to practice four to six hours a day and you can't do that if you're in school. So I took a gap year just to practice and it started out fine, but I really quickly noticed that it wasn't like I couldn't do it. I faked it. I pretend I sat there for four hours, but I wasn't doing efficient or effective practice i was just kind of surviving and i started to feel all sorts of ways about that because from what i could see everyone was doing that everyone was practicing these insane hours and i couldn't i was miserable not only because it's it was too much for me i think at the time but i also didn't have the right tools to actually practice correctly I think I got more than the regular person, Mm -hmm. which I'm lucky about, but I still didn't know what exactly to do within those four hours. So a lot of things started suffering. I started having pain in my hands and my arms. I started having mental health problems because I felt terrible for, for taking a gap year and not having seemingly the capability to do it in this efficient and effective way. And when I went to conservatory, I noticed everyone else was struggling too, in in the same way, same ways and in different ways. Everyone is just overworked, I'm seeing. Now that I have my degree, I kind of am looking at it as a big, bigger picture. And I think the problem is a lot of us are just being overworked and not being given the tools that we need to actually do this kind of stuff sustainably. So when I, when I got to school and I saw that, that I wasn't the only one struggling, but everyone else was, and they were trying to hide it. I noticed, oh no, we got to do something about this. Mm. Definitely. And is that, is that a mixture of the music, the work you're doing in the music and sort of the outside world, the stresses of the outside world and paying bills and trying to just, you know, live day to day? Yeah. It's really hard to be a musician, whether you're a professional or you're an aspiring musician. Maybe when you're a musician, you have a loan or something, or like you aren't in immediate danger, but maybe you are, and maybe you have to worry about paying your bills on time or if you're going to be able to. And if you have a loan, you have to worry about, am I ever going to have enough money to like pay off this loan? Once you get to mute, you, I started music school without really knowing about the money situation and about how orchestras are, the audiences are dwindling. And that's not something I think is, maybe it is talked about. Maybe I just wasn't aware or maybe Mm. I didn't care because I loved music so much. But um, I started worrying for sure. I started worrying once I was in conservatory and I thought, oh, interesting. Everyone's busting their butts and 
not rich. I mean, with the amount of work I saw people doing, I would assume if you're doing that much work in any other field, you have a lot of money. So yeah, there's a payoff, isn't there? Yeah, yeah, there's a real payoff. And I think musicians do have an ability to make money if we're taught business classes. Like if we were taught how to start a business, how to find an audience, I think we would be fine. But I think we're on this specific path. So, but that's another thing. I think there's a lot to worry about when you're an aspiring musician or when you're a professional musician, Mm -hmm. mostly about money, but also about having this persona that you're okay, regardless of if you're okay or not. That's very stressful. What do you think the, the, the top, the primary stress factors are for, for, for musicians, whether they're established or whether they're sort of, you know, a, a conservatory or, or whatever? What are, what are the top things? I'm not an expert on everybody's experience, sure. but from what I've seen and what I experience, the most stressful thing is having this insane workload and not having the time or the space to relax and feeling like if you do relax, you're somehow less serious or lacking work ethic. It's not just stressful, but it's really, really damaging over a long period of time. And there are a lot of ways that we're taught to avoid resting. And it's really bad. (laughs) I think that's the most stressful thing. There are other stresses like how we're going to make money. But I think the mental aspects of not being allowed to rest or, you know, those two violinists who make memes and stuff, they have this thing where they make fun of 40 hours of practice or they jokingly say it. Mm. And of course, it's a joke. Of course, nobody, it's impossible, but that's like, there's a hint of truth in that. And that's why it's so funny because they're poking fun. They're saying something that's impossible, but like, that's basically what we're supposed to do. Like we're supposed to be spending all of our time trying to become a musician. And if we're not, then we're going to be seen not only by our peers, but maybe by our teachers, maybe by the professionals in the music scene as less serious because they all did that. They all completely ignored their health, maybe. I imagine there's also a a stress factor of coming into, let's say, coming into music later than others uh, and knowing that maybe a a violinist or or singer or whatever has been doing that since they were like six and maybe you've come into it and you're 15 and you're like, oh, I've missed so much. So how am I going to ever get to that same level? Exactly. I don't regret my gap year. But it was a lot harder for me because I was coming in a month before my 16th birthday. That was my very first cello lesson. Wow. And my two closest friends were both violinists who started when they were four and five. So they were already at the top. They were already at the beginning of the section. One was the principal cellist and one led the second violins. Like, and I was just starting cello lessons. I wasn't stressed because of them, but I realized how far behind I was. So uh, this gap year was so I could catch up. Mm. And so I I should have been practicing a lot. I had to be practicing a lot because that's like almost an impossible thing to do is to catch up to somebody who's been playing violin with the top teachers, with d- been in the top youth orchestras since they were small. Yeah. And I'm just starting. And I think, well, I don't think there are a lot of late starters, but I definitely think there are more than we see, you know, like sure. I, I, I used to avoid saying I was a late starter because mm-hmm. as soon as I said that, I felt like people would take me less seriously. Now I don't care. Now I say it no matter what, because I think it's an important, it's important for people to know that you can be a late starter and still do the work. You don't have to be starting when you're two 
or when you're still in the womb and practicing three hours a day, you can do it with effective practice techniques. You can do maybe the same, maybe more, maybe less. You can do good work as long as you have your mental health taken care of, as long as you have effective and efficient practice techniques that actually work. So tell me what would be maybe the, the, the advice to somebody who is struggling? What's the first thing that they should be thinking about doing or stopping doing maybe? Yeah, well, the first thing I did was bought a journal, started writing everything down because yeah. growing up in the way I grew up, there was no avenue to actually process anything. And my situation might be a little different, but I, I never had any means to actually get my feelings out. So everything, I mean, everything was bottled up inside. Mm there came a point where I just couldn't think. I couldn't really think about the feelings I was having because there was so much guilt and shame on top of it. And I had other things to do. Like I had a daily life that I had to keep doing. So I didn't have time to think, but when it got really bad, I just thought, okay, some th- these thoughts need to go somewhere. I don't care if it doesn't make sense. I don't care if it looks like gibberish. These thoughts just have to go somewhere. And for me, that was the best thing I could have done. But looking back, I also could have talked to somebody. I could. I got in therapy soon after that because I thought, okay, th- after I had a journal for a few weeks, I'm like, okay, this is like more serious than than a journal. Like uh, the journal helps, but yeah. it, it it's not therapy. So I started taking therapy. Luckily, my insurance took it. I found a therapist that took my insurance, I mean, because I couldn't afford it. And many musicians, I feel like maybe are money tight. So I don't want to say get therapy and spend a hundred dollars a week on it. Cause that's insane. Mm. But there are therapists who will take your insurance. And, um, of course I'm talking about in the U S I don't know how it is in Europe or in the UK insurance wise. I know it's actually really hard to get therapy in the UK. Yeah. It is because it is. of the NHS and the long wait lines. When I was there, there was a nine month wait list. Yeah, that's kind of the for way anything. Works. So the, it might be hard to get therapy if you're in a country that has um, free healthcare. But there are people at school that you can talk to that may or may not help. The point is, you need to talk to somebody who you trust and who you know is not going to make you feel worse. You know, maybe that's your teacher. I I also had a good teacher that I could talk to eventually. I didn't come with her first to all this. I had to like sort it myself out first. But I was luckily in a position where I felt like I could talk to her about it. Like, I'm not doing well. I can't do everything that is being asked of me because I was I was trying to. I, every time they asked me to do the school asked me to do a project, I would say yes. And there was a time that I had absolutely no time to rest, to just do nothing, which of course you shouldn't be doing it nothing when you're a musician. But the truth is, yes, you should. You should have time where you do nothing. You've got to schedule that time in, haven't you? The the, the mm. downtime is as important yes. as the practice time and all those things. Mm. And what about the physical aspects? You mentioned at the beginning about, you know, your your hands and things like that. How 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 do you cope? Is there are there things that you need to take into consideration physically? And I imagine it's quite different for different musicians and depending on what instrument they play and things like that. Yeah. It is. And now I'm starting to see more on Instagram, of course. I don't know any of these people in person, but I'm starting to see more professionals who specialize in musicians in pain prevention or pain recovery. Mm. And I think that's really good. One thing that I started doing, no matter what, anytime I practice is do a little stretch, take 
take a couple seconds to see, okay, where am I? Am I feeling bad? Do a body scan, do this muscle contraction and release through your whole body and see what feels bad, what feels maybe not bad, but just kind of tight or uncomfortable and pay attention, pay Mm. attention and actively look for things in your practice that you can do that might help this pain. And if it's really bad, go see somebody. Everything can't be solved just by us. We some, at some point we'll have to go see somebody for some help. The thing with my hands, it was mild and I didn't ever push myself, not because I thought, Oh, health and wellness. It was just because I didn't want to, like, I didn't want to play if I was hurting. I didn't have that innate drive that I guess other people have to keep playing. If something's hurting, I just couldn't do it. So it wasn't like I was always in this mental health and wellness thing. It was that I didn't want to do it. And I felt bad about it. And that's why I started looking into the health and wellness, because I thought, why should I feel bad about not wanting to practice if I'm literally in pain? That's silly. Exactly. you got but to listen stay to your body. Yes. Yes. Listen to your body. And we're not taught to do that, I don't mm-hmm. think. I think mm-hmm. we're taught to keep pushing. And, and if it gets worse, then you take six months off and maybe you get depressed and want to quit. But, oh, well, that's just, just the way the cookie crumbles. That's just the way it is. Yeah. And we ha- that has to change. So bringing awareness to our bodies body scans, stretch before you practice, always do technique, even if you don't want to, even if you hate it, even if it's only for five minutes, do it. Because you can't just get, you can't jump into playing your concerto or this really hard orchestral piece without warming up your body. That's when I was the most injured, it was when I wasn't doing my warmups. It seems like such a simple thing, but I can imagine it's something that musicians just don't really think about necessarily, particularly early on. I mean, you know that we know that singers will warm up their voices and look after their voices, but why wouldn't an instrumentalist be stretching and making sure that their bowing arm, for example, is as supple and as working well as it can be before or whatever, but I can imagine it's forgotten. (laughs) It's forgotten. And and I'm not speaking for everyone, of course, but we're, we're so injured the classical music world as a whole, we're very injured. There's something to that. I mean, there's a reason for that. Maybe it's yeah. not that you're not stretching, but it's something. Yeah. And I think bringing awareness to our own bodies and having the discernment and the authority to say what our own bodies are feeling and know that if we're feeling bad, that we shouldn't play or we shouldn't push. It's the same as sport, isn't it? I mean, you, you wouldn't if you were feeling that you couldn't, you know, go out onto the field or whatever as a sports person you you just wouldn't you'd be told to stop <laughs> you wouldn't yeah that's what i don't i i'm like this in any other field this would not be okay yeah. in any other field you would be forced to rest exactly it's oh. a journey i think we're we're on the mend the new generation of musicians are starting to see i think and everyone i think is starting to see the benefits of being well especially with covid so we're looking up we really are and the the site is a great resource and it's a really good place to start well jelaine thanks so much for your time uh, it's been great to chat and uh, i hope this has been helpful for lots of musicians out there i'm so glad to have been here thank you so much for having me that's all from this edition of classic 15 our podcasts are available on all platforms and on our website, www.classic.com, where you can also find Classic's online concert series and other media on demand. 
And don't forget to check us out on social media too, at Classic Music. Thank you for listening, and until next time, goodbye.